0: Tonight we have a premiere show on old-time radio forever, the Lux Radio Theater. The Lux Radio Theater was arguably, according to the old-time radio researchers and other sources, the most expensive old-time radio program to broadcast. The reason for that is varied. A live orchestra was on every program and The Lux Radio Theater would always do screen or play adaptations. And when they could, which was very often, they had the original performers. Commanding up to $5,000 for their appearance, these movie stars made the Lux Radio Theater special. Tonight we go back to 1942 and starring the original film star William Powell, we have The Thin Man on old-time radio forever.
1: Hollywood, California, Monday, June
2: 8th. The
1: Lux Radio Theater, presented from its new home on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood, California.
3: Lux presents Hollywood. Such
1: great personalities as William Powell, Myrna Loy, W.S. Van Dyke, Leda Barra, James Seymour, Minna Gamble, Porter Hall, and many others will take part in this presentation sent to you by the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, the beauty soap of the stars. Appearing before a distinguished Hollywood audience, Mr. Powell, Miss Loy, and a cast of 18 great players presents the play that has broken box office records from coast to coast, The Thin Man. And as producer tonight, we present the director who did The Thin Man on the screen, together with such triumphs as Naughty Marietta, Trader Horn, *Rose Marie*, I Live My Life, and countless other smash hit pictures, Mr. W.S. Van Dyke, Mr. Van Dyke.
4: Well, it's a great scene at the Lux Radio Theater tonight. In our audience, we have Betty Davis, Jimmy and Lucille Gleason, Bob Armstrong, Ollie Olson of Olson and Johnson, Stu Irwin, Jimmy Starr, famous communist, Evelyn Venable, Mr. and Mrs. Leon Schlesinger. Maybe it would interest you a little inside information on the show we are doing tonight, The Thin Man, and about William Powell and Myrna Loy, who are going to do it for you. As you know, The Thin Man was a best-selling novel by Dashiell Hammer. Hans Stromberg, down at the studio, MGM, got a hold of it and brought it to me. Woody said, if you'll make this picture, I'll buy the story. Well, I read it. And while it was a good enough mystery story, there was something else about the book that struck me. Here was something new and fresh and very charming. A romance between a man and his wife. It's a story of a couple of kids that understood each other and had a blessed confidence in each other. Beneath all the casualness and all the cracking, there's a lovely, wholesome relationship. Something really deep and sweet and inspiring. Well, we decided to make the picture. Albert Hackett and Francis Goodrich wrote a swell script. William Powell and Myrna Loy played the parts. And how? They played them beautifully. Because Powell was just Powell and Loy was just Loy. Both of them wise, cracking all the time, and clowning right through the picture. I suppose you know that plenty of motion pictures take from two months to a year to shoot. We did The Thin Man in 16 Days, retakes and all. Of course, it wasn't a pretentious picture. We didn't make it as one. I hate epics but it is evident that people liked it. It has been very interesting to study out how they could tell this story on the radio. Bill and Myrna have had a lot of fun getting it ready for you, just as they did making the picture. And from the original story, from the original motion picture cast, we have and are fortunate in having Mina Gombo, Porter Hall, William Henry, and Thomas Jackson here tonight. So here we go, with William Powell and Nick Charles, and Myrna Loy as Nora in The Thin Man. Here they come, Bill Powell and Myrna Loy. We're in a fashionable cafe, Momart, New York City. It's Christmas Eve, and the well-appointed dining room is filling rapidly. From the bar comes a good-looking young fellow of about th- 35, tall, casual, and worldly wise. He's Nick Charles, the well-known private detective, played by William Powell. And he's waiting for his charming wife, Nora, played by Myrna Loy. As he takes his place at the table, a young girl on the other side of the room recognizes him and hurries over.
5: You, Mr. Nick Charles, the detective?
1: Oh, I, uh, yes, I'm Nick Charles.
5: I thought I recognized you. My name is Dorothy Winant.
1: Oh, yes, how do you do? Do
5: you mind if I sit down for a no, moment? No,
1: but, uh, I'm expecting my wife a few minutes. You don't mind explaining your presence to her? Oh,
5: of course. That's my fiancée over there at the other table.
1: Oh, well, that makes everything all right, doesn't it? Sit down. Thank you. Uh, your name is, uh...
5: Dorothy Winant. I'm Clyde Winant's daughter.
1: Clyde Winant, uh... Oh, yes, of course, uh... Your father was having some trouble about one of his inventions a few years ago. I handled the case for him.
5: I know. That, that's why I want to speak to you now. Oh.
1: No. Well, I'm not practicing anymore, Miss Wynett. You see, i retired. Please, of... Mr.
5: Charles. I need you.
1: Oh. No. What seems to be the trouble? It's
5: dead. He went away about three months ago, and I haven't heard from him. Not a word. I'm worried sick.
1: Oh, no, I wouldn't if I were you. After all, he's an inventor. He gets an idea he wants to work on. It's only natural that he should hide away somewhere. He's done it before.
5: Yes, but never for three months.
1: Did you see him before he left?
5: No. Mr. McCauley was the only one he spoke to. Well, McCauley and Julia Wolf. She's Dad's secretary.
1: Julia Wolf? Oh, yes, I believe I met her. And uh, McCauley is your father's lawyer, isn't he? Yes. His lawyer and his secretary both speak to him before he leaves, but no one knows where he went. He
5: wouldn't tell them.
1: What about your mother? He wouldn't tell her either?
5: No, mother and dad aren't. They haven't seen each other for some time. Oh, I
1: see. Well, I don't know just what I can do for you. Why don't you speak to Macaulay? Maybe he's heard from your father and forgotten to let you know.
5: Oh, well, I'll call him now.
1: That's a girl. Let me know how it turns out, will you?
5: Of course.
6: I'll be back in a few minutes. I'll be here. <laughs>
2: Madam, you can't bring that dog in
1: here. Dogs aren't allowed. I'm sorry, Uh, ma'am. I'll be here. Asta. Asta, come here, boy. Here.
7: Down, boy. Madam, it isn't
1: only your dog. We allowed everyone. Oh, here you are. Asta. Quiet, Asta. Quiet. Hello, Nora. I hear you brought the dog.
7: I didn't bring him, he brought me. I think the doorman's mad, Miss. Madam, I'm afraid
1: you'll have to take the dog outside. All right, Joe, it's my dog and uh, my wife.
7: You might have mentioned me first. But,
1: Mr. Charles, are you sure that... The... Of course I'm sure. He's well-trained. He'll behave himself. And nobody might bite someone. No, oh, no, only me, Joe. He only bites me.
7: Yes, he's fussy about what he
1: eats. Go ahead, Joe. I'll be responsible for it. Very
3: well, sir. If you say so,
1: sir. There you are, my dear. See what an influential husband he's got?
7: You do stand in the door, ma'am. Mr. Charles.
1: Oh, uh, yes, Dorothy?
7: May I
5: introduce my fiancé, Andy Reed, Mr. Charles? How
1: do you do? How do you do, sir? Any luck, Dorothy?
5: Yes, he's just around the corner. Your father? No, no, Mr. McCall.
1: We're going to see him now. Oh, fine, fine.
7: Um, oh, Annette?
1: Well, yes, Yes, my dear? Oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, Miss Winant, Mr. Reed, my wife.
7: How do you do? How
5: do you do? I'm sorry we have to rush, but you'll excuse us, Mr. Charles. Of
1: course. Uh, we're at the Normandy for a couple of weeks. Why don't you drop around?
6: Thanks, we will. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye, Mr.
6: Charles. Goodbye. Pretty
7: girl.
1: Hmm. you like blonde?
7: You got tight?
1: Only you, darling. Lanky brunettes with wicked jaws. Who is she? Dorothy Winant, daughter of Clyde Winant. I worked on a case for her father. Some nut wanted to kill him.
7: Charming. What's the matter now?
1: Winant disappeared. Dodge is afraid something happened to him.
7: Has anything happened to him?
1: My darling wife. How do I know? Funny, though. That secretary of his ought to know something.
7: Secretaries usually do. Who is she?
1: Julia Wolfe. Smart girl, Julia. I always suspected she had some kind of hold on Winans, and That's why he kept her on.
7: Maybe you ought to give her a ring. A four. Oh, just to say hello.
1: Mm, maybe. Want a nickel? Hmm? No, 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 I've got one. I'll be right
2: back. Hello?
1: I want uh, Skyler, 40962. No, Skyler. Uh,
2: that's right.
7: Hello? Yes, you both speaking.
8: Who? Oh. Oh, hello, Mr. Charles. Yes? What was it that you wanted to... Oh. Oh, no, I don't. He didn't tell me. Not a word. I'm sorry. Well, that's all right.
6: Goodbye. Morelli.
3: Coming. Well, who was that?
6: Nick Charles.
3: The detective?
8: He wanted to know where Winand was.
3: Oh, yeah? Why?
8: He didn't say.
3: Did anyone see Winant come here that night? The night you and him had the scrap? I don't know. Oh, no? Well, I guess I'll scram. Wait a
8: minute, Morelli. Where are you going?
3: Oh, taking a little stroll, that's all. If Nick Charles is going to pop up around here... I want to be far away when he does. Oh, don't be a fool, Morelli. Fool, huh? Hey, listen, sister, I got a record nine itching to come face to face with no dick.
8: Sit down, Morelli. You need money, don't you?
3: Yeah. What about it? You got some?
7: Plenty. I'm wine and secretary. Oh,
3: you? Yeah? What do you mean by that?
7: <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know?
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Your
7: friend Pierre serves
6: good dinners, Nick.
1: Mm hmm. All right.
6: You still didn't tell me what Julia Wolf had to say.
1: Nothing. She didn't know where he was, that's all. Finished?
6: Finished. Let's get
1: out. we grab a cab and get back to the hotel. He's
7: ready and willing. Where's my purse? Come on, Esther.
1: Joe, call me Cab.
2: Be quiet. Stop it.
7: Hello? Yes? Who is it? Miss... Oh, he is. I see. Thank you. Oh, Nick? Yeah? It's Mr. McCauley. He's on his way up.
1: McCauley? I wonder what he wants.
7: Isn't he Warren's lawyer? Yeah. Maybe he's got some news.
1: Well, he ought. Say, you're worrying an awful lot about this business. Forget it.
7: I'll open it. you for
1: I'm Mrs. Charles. Come in, me, Charles. Hello, McCauley. Well, hello, Charles. Well, how are you? Fine. Sit down. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, Dorothy told me you were here. I took the liberty of coming to see you. Of course. Uh, Charles, uh, what's Mimi up to? Mimi? Oh, Dorothy's mother. Does she have to be up to something? <laughs> she usually is, trying one way or another to get money out of wine. I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to find out if you were, uh, <laughs> Slooting for. Her. I haven't been a detective for years. Oh, you don't say. Oh, my wife's father died and left the lumber mill, and the Marigage Railroad, and a uh, whole couple of other things. I- I'm looking after them. Let see, see, see. What's all the fuss about it? Why isn't in hiding? Yeah, you know as much about it as I do. I haven't seen him in three months. He sends word through Julie Wolf when he wants money. I give it to her and she gives it to him.
7: Mine. Hello. Oh, just
2: a moment, please. It's for
1: you, Mr. McCallum. Your office. Oh, thank you.
7: Hello?
1: What? He is? Oh, where is he? Oh, very well. Well, he's back in town.
7: Mr.
1: Wineman? Yes, thank heaven. He's waiting for me now. Well,
4: I've got to rush. I'll tell you, it's no joke working for a man like that. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Charles. Goodbye, Charles. Hello?
7: <clears throat> Merry Christmas. Same to you. 11.30. Almost Christmas, darling.
1: If that's a hint, you can drop it. You get your present at breakfast, not a minute before.
7: Please. You know, Nick, I've been thinking. It's funny the way Wyant popped up all of a sudden. Yes, wasn't it? You think there's anything behind it?
1: Why should there be? Well,
7: I don't know. It just strikes me as being funny, that's all. You're nearer than I am, darling.
1: Hello? Speaking. Oh, hello, darling. What? What? When? Oh, I see. Well, yes, of course I'll be here.
7: What is it, darling? Darling, what is it?
1: Julia Wolfe has just been murdered.
4: You are listening to William Powell and Myrna Loy in the story of The Thin Man from the stage of the Lux Radio Theater in Hollywood Boulevard. Before we go on with the story of Nick and Nora, we want to take you on a quick tour of Hollywood.
1: Lobby of the Hotel Roosevelt, where stars and newcomers gather. A young actress just breaking into pictures is telling her friend of her success.
6: Well, there's one thing. I've got one of the best managers in Hollywood, and that means a lot. Oh, but the rules he's laid down for me. Gee, what do you mean, rules? Well, you'd think I was going into training for the Olympics. I've got to lose five pounds. I've got to take lessons in singing and diction, and of course my complexion's got to be perfect.
2: I've
6: got to be more careful than ever not to get little blemishes or enlarged pores and, and what they call cosmetic skin. Thank goodness I know enough to use Lux Toilet Soap regularly, the way everybody around here does.
1: Nine out of ten beautiful Hollywood screen stars use Luxe Toilet Soap, and have for years. Here's what the famous Claudette Colbert has to say. When I tell people how simple my complexion care is, they always seem surprised. I use cosmetics, of course, but I always use Lux Toilet Soap to guard against cosmetic skin. It's easy to keep skin lovely my way.
4: And now on with the show of The Thin Man. An hour has gone by since Nick heard about the murder of Julia Wolfe. In the living room of their suite at the hotel, Nick and Nora are listening to the radio. A news reporter is broadcasting the latest developments of the case.
2: And here's the latest news of the Julia Wolf
1: murder. The police have found out that the beautiful mom's secretary was the gangster's girl They're spreading the dragnet for one Joe Morelli, said to be hiding out somewhere in the city. In Paris today, the Chamber of Deputies...
7: Never mind the Chamber of Deputies. Joe Morelli, that's what I wanted to know about. Well, did you get any more information out of headquarters?
1: As much as they had. Julia Wolfe was shot and killed about 9 or 9.30. Body discovered on the floor of a living room a little after 11.
7: Who discovered it?
1: That'll surprise you. Mimi Winant.
7: Dorothy's mother? Right. What was she doing there? I don't know. Where's Clyde Winant? Still missing. Missing? But Macaulay was going to see him. They had an appointment.
1: I spoke to Macaulay. Winant never showed up. Nobody knows where he is.
7: It's going to be pretty tough on Dorothy, isn't it?
1: Meaning what?
7: Meaning that it looks as if Clyde Winant skipped one appointment in order to keep another. With Julia Wolfe.
1: You think he killed her? Oh, it's just a
7: guess. You're the detective around here, darling.
1: Oh, that's Dorothy. Says she wanted to see me. Well, come in,
5: Dorothy. Thank you. Is anyone here? That's Nora. Have a seat. Oh. Hello, Dorothy. I'm, I'm sorry for breaking in on you like this. Oh, that's all right. We're used to it. Anything wrong? Ju- Julia Wolfe is dead.
1: Yes, we know that.
5: Here's the gun she was shot with.
1: What are you trying to tell me? That you did it?
5: Yes. I hated her. She, she kept me from seeing my father. I went down there to ask her where he was. She wouldn't tell me. I shot her. Where did you hit her? Why, in the heart.
1: Pretty good shot you are. What did she do? She fell down. Did she make any sound? Didn't scream? I don't know. Which way did she fall?
5: She, she fell over backwards.
1: Oh, yes? People fall toward a shot, you know, not back from it. I knew you were lying.
2: Oh, Okay. All right, come on. Now, brace up.
1: Where did you get this gun?
2: I bought it in a pawn shop.
1: I thought so. Why did you say you did it? Whom are you trying to shield?
2: Oh, please, don't ask me. You've got to tell me. Nick, let me
7: handle this, will you? Dorothy, look at me. Nick is trying to help you. Why don't you help him? You were trying to shield your mother, weren't you? No. Your father, then. Dorothy.
5: Yes. My
7: father. Why do you think he did
5: it? Mother was the first one to find Julia Wolfe. She saw something in Julia's hand and, and she took it. What was it? A watch chain. It belonged to my father.
7: So you think your father did it?
5: I don't know. I don't know.
7: Did your mother turn the chain over to the police? No, she, she kept it. She didn't tell them anything about it. But she showed it to you. Yes.
1: Why did your mother go to Julia Wolfe's apartment in the first place?
2: She,
5: she went to us.
1: For money. Oh, money again, huh? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, Adam come up, please. Who is it? Uh, Dorothy, uh, I wonder if you'd mind waiting in the bedroom. Of
7: course.
1: It'll be only a minute. Well, Nick? It's Mimi Wyman. Alone? She's never alone. Dorothy's brother is with a screwy college kid. And uh, some guy for the name of Chris Jorgensen.
7: Jorgensen? Who's he?
1: Macaulay told me about him, a hanger-on type. I think he's after Mimi's dough.
7: But she hasn't any.
1: Maybe that's why she wanted to get some from Julia. I'll take it. Hello. Nick, how are you? Fine.
6: Come in, Mimi. Thank you, Nick. This is my son, Gilbert. How are you? Very
2: well,
6: thank you. And Mr. Chris Jorgensen, he's an old friend of mine.
2: How do
1: you do? How do you do? Sit down. Sit down, my wife.
6: Oh, Mrs. Winant,
1: uh, Gilbert Winant, and Mr. Jorgensen. How do you do? Well, Mimi?
6: Nick, I've never been in such a state in my life. You know, of course, that I was the one who found Julia Wolfe. So we've heard. Oh, my dear, it was terrible. I walked in, and there she was, lying dead on the floor. I meant to ask
1: you, Mother, was there much blood?
6: Gilbert, don't be so morbid.
1: But I'm interested in murders. You know, Mr. Charles, I've formed a theory about this one already. Uh, so, in my opinion, the man who did it... Was... Gilbert, be quiet.
6: You don't know anything about it.
1: Oh, but I do. Be
6: quiet. Uh, You were saying, Mrs. Wynan, about finding Julia Wolfe. I was simply petrified and such a mystery. Clyde Winant's crazy. Absolutely crazy to stay away at a time like this. No wonder the police think he had something to do with it.
1: What do you think,
6: Oh, I know he didn't, but I wish I could find him. I have something very important to tell him. McCauley won't help at all. He thinks I just want money.
1: Well, don't you?
6: <laughs> oh, Nick, you're always teasing.
7: <laughs> Mrs. Wyman, were you alone when you found Julia Wolf? Why, of course I was. Wasn't Mr. Jorgensen with you? I? Certainly not.
1: I don't know anything about it. The first word I had that Julia Wolfe was dead was when Mrs. Wyman called me at my club.
6: Oh, she called you? Yes. Why?
1: I beg your pardon.
6: Oh, let's not even talk about it. The thing to do is to find Clyde. And that's what I've come to you for, Nick. You will help me find him, won't
1: you? I'm afraid I can't, Mimi. Oh,
6: Nick, please.
1: Now, Mimi, there are a thousand detectives in New York. Hire one of them.
6: But Clyde knows you. All you have to do is to get in touch with him and tell him that Mimi says everything is all right, but that I've got to see him. I
1: tell you again, I don't want any part of
6: it. Is that final? Final. Well, if that's the way you feel,
1: you'll turn up. You just help all you can. Give the police every possible assistance.
6: What do you mean by that?
1: Oh, nothing in particular.
6: Oh, well, we'll say good night.
1: Good night. I'm sorry I can't help you, Mimi. <laughs> the Normandy Hotel. I want to speak to Mr. Charles. Yeah, Nick Charles. Hello, Mr. Charles. Say, I'm sorry I woke you up. Uh, but, Mr. Charles, I'd like to lay a proposition before you. It's about the murder of Julia Wolfe.
3: Well, what's the difference who I am? Well, wait a minute. All right. Wait a minute. Don't hang up. I'll tell you who I am. But you got to keep it under your hat.
1: I'm Al Nunheim. Yeah.
4: Nunheim. Now, listen. I know who murdered Julia Wolfe, Sure I do. And I'll spill it to you for
1: five grand. I'll tell you how I know. Because I was outside of her apartment
3: when she was shot.
1: And I saw the one who did it. And I'll spill it to you when I get. Hey, wait a minute.
3: Hey, I can't talk now. I'll call you again. Hello? Hello?
1: Hello, are you still
7: there?
1: Hello? What was up? No, what's up? I don't know. I'm crank, I guess. He hung up. Right, you better get back to bed and get some sleep. to you. That's jolly.
7: Don't you think you'd like to go back to detecting once in a while just for the fun of it?
1: Can't you get to sleep?
7: No. Everybody says you were a grand detective. They
1: were kidding you.
7: I'd like to see you work.
1: Tomorrow I'll buy you a whole lot of detective stories.
7: Oh, that poor girl's in an awful spot.
1: There's nothing I can do to help her.
7: She thinks you can. It wouldn't hurt you to find out if you could, would it?
1: My guess is that Wynant killed Julia and Dorothy knows it. And the police will catch him without my help. Now, please put out the light. I'm tired.
7: Oh, all right. But I'm mad at you. Mm Mm-hmm. Nick. Hmm? Did you hear a knock? Mm Mm-hmm. Shut up, Astor. You want to answer it, Nick?
3: Oh, good Lord.
7: All right, stay in bed. I'll do it myself. Well?
3: Mr. Charles here. Yes? I got to talk to him right away. What about... What's going on?
1: What's going on?
7: There's someone to see you, Nick.
1: That's great. I was afraid I'd have to
3: go to sleep. Come in. Yeah.
7: Um, How about a chair, Mr. Stay where
3: you are, both of you. I got you covered, so don't move. A stick-up? No, it ain't a stick-up. I got to talk to you, Mr. Charles. I want you to tell me something, and I want you to give it to me straight. You get me? Do you mind putting that gun down? Uh, My wife doesn't
1: care, but I'm a very nervous person. Thank you.
3: All right, shoot.
1: I mean, uh, uh, what's on your mind?
3: You don't need to tell me you're tough. I heard about you. I'm Joe Morelli. I've never heard about you. I didn't bump off Julia. All right, you didn't. I haven't seen her in three months. We were all washed up. Why tell me? I wouldn't have any reason to hurt her. She was always on the up and up with me. But that dirty little rat, nunheim Well, he got sore because she liked me and hated him. So he put the finger on me.
1: That's all very swell, brother. Only you're peddling your fish in the wrong market. I've got nothing to do with it.
3: Now, listen. The boys used to say that you were okay. A square guy. Now, that's why I'm here. What's the law doing to me? Do they think I did it? Or is it just something else to pin on me? I'd tell you if I knew, but I'm, on, I'm not in on this. Ask the police. Yeah, that'd be very smart. The boys would love to have me come in and ask questions. They'd like it right down to the end of their blackjacks. Now, I came to you on the level. The boys say you're on the level. Be on the level. I'm on the level. If
1: I knew anything, I'd be... Who's that? I don't know. This is your party. Open
3: up. Open up. This is the police. The police? You dirty 2 time Look out and off. Oh!
2: Give me that gun! You I'll show you. I'll,
3: I'll drop that gun! Drop it! You'll go across me, will you? Come on, drop it! Give it to me! Give me the gun! Grab it! Grab it! Let me
1: go! I'll, Let me go! I said. I'll take that gun. Thanks, officer. You almost had me. Get some water, Joe. Nora, are you all right, Nora? I'm Inspector of the homicide. You in a good place, Inspector? Who's that woman on the floor? My wife. This guy's shooter? No, he tried to shoot me. I socked her in the jaw to get her out of the line of fire. I guess I hit her too hard. Nora. Oh. Look at me, Nora. Are you all right, darling? Oh.
7: You darn fool. He didn't have to knock me out. I knew you'd take him, but I wanted to see you do it.
1: She's all right.
3: Okay, Slattery. Take Morelli downstairs. Don't push.
1: How'd you people have to pop in, Inspector? We well, hear yeah, this is getting to be a sort of a meeting place for the Winant family. So we figured we'd stick around in case the old man himself shows up. Then we seen Morelli sneaking and we decided to come up. And I was pretty lucky for you, too. Yeah, Morelli, a friend of yours? I never saw him before.
3: What's he want of you?
1: Wanted to tell me he didn't kill Julia Wolf.
3: What's that to you? Nothing. What did he think it was to you?
1: Ask him. I don't know. I'm asking you. Keep on asking. Oh, so you're going to
3: keep mum, huh? All right, Mr. Charles. I won't bother you tonight, but I'll be in tomorrow morning, and I'll have plenty of things to ask. Good night.
7: Thank you, Inspector Guild. Next time you come, try to stay longer. <laughs> Nick, wake up. It's Christmas. Oh, yeah? Look, here's a telegram for you. It just came.
1: Open it, will you? Probably a touch from somebody. Well?
7: Nick. What is it? It's from Clyde Winans. Listen. Will you take charge of investigation on Julia Wolfe's murder? Communicate with Herbert Macaulay, Clyde Winans. Where's it from? Philadelphia. Then he didn't do it, did he, Nick?
1: I don't know communicate with Macaulay, huh? All right, we'll ask him up here this morning.
2: There
1: you are, Macaulay. What do you think?
2: Uh,
1: He wants you to handle the case. Yes. Well, what are the chances of you doing it? Slam.
7: Oh, please, Nick.
1: Quiet, dear. I wish you would, Mr. Charles. Uh... Uh, would it help any if I could persuade him to meet you? It might. I had word from Wynott myself last night. He gave me a code message to insert in the newspapers in case I wanted to get in touch with him. It wouldn't do any harm put it in. I'm sure you could clear this up. Oh, not? will only come back. It doesn't look well he's staying away at a time like this.
7: Yes? Oh, oh, just a minute. For you, Mr. McCauley.
4: Police department. Police department? Hello?
1: Where? In Allentown. Yes. Well, when's the next train? Right. I'll get that. Well? Huh? Why, tried to commit suicide. They wanted me to go down and identify him. Well, I guess this changes the whole story, doesn't it? That looks like an admission of guilt.
4: <laughs> well, I had such hopes. I thought if you got on this case... Oh, uh, well. Well, it's no use thinking about it now. Well, I'm sorry to have wasted so much of your time.
1: You'll excuse me, won't you? Of
4: course.
1: Goodbye.
7: Bye. Well, that's that. Let's finish. What's the matter with you? All the mystery's all gone. And I wanted you to find out who did it. Maybe I will. But why not?
1: I don't believe he did it.
7: Why don't
1: you? No reason. Just hunch. But I'm going to find out. Come on, Dr. Watson. We're going places. I want to speak to Inspector Gill. Man to man, Mr. Charles. Are you working on this case? Man to man, Inspector Gill, I'm not.
7: But he's interested.
1: I don't mind telling you. I'd rather have you in on the right side. You mean not on the Winant's side? I'd rather have you working with us than against us. So would I. It's a bargain, then. Do you know about the case? I read the papers. What about the suicide? Oh, that's a phony. The men didn't even have to go down. Yeah, I thought it might be. From now on, they're going to think that every thin man over six feet with white hair is Winant.
7: Do you think that Winant did it?
1: looks like he planned something, and he shut up his apartment and his shop. But there's nothing yet to clinch it. Fifty will get you a hundred, that Wyman didn't do it. Who's your candidate? I haven't got that far yet. I don't think that everything points to Wyman. What about the alibis? They're all okay. Mrs. Wyman, the boy, Dorothy, McCauley,
3: even Morelli.
1: Uh, What about uh, Jorgensen? Oh, oh, I'll check on that. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid this is kind of dull for you, Mrs. Charles.
7: Dull? I'm sitting on the edge of my chair.
1: Frankly, I'm stunned. I don't know what to do next. What about you, Charles? Me? No, but, uh, I've got a hunch. What is it? I got a call last night. I thought it was from a crank, but I've changed my mind. Whoever it was knew something, and I've got a feeling I'll hear from him again. What time is it?
7: Almost ten. Still waiting to hear from the
1: crank? And how? Here, give me that, quick. Hello? Yes? Yeah? Ed, this is Nick Charles. Who? Can't hear you. I said I can't hear you. i have to speak louder.
5: I can't speak any louder. Hey, this is Al Nunheim again. You know, I called you last night. Hey,
1: listen... Are you still interested in that
5: proposition?
1: Yeah, huh? All right, then. now here's the dope. and get this straight. The
3: man who killed Julia woke
2: up.
1: Mrs. Gill, you think Winant killed Julia Wolf and Nunnheim? Right. Why? Two reasons. First off, Mimi Winant came across with a watch chain. She plucked off Julia's body. Oh, she did, huh? It belonged to Clyde Winant. Yeah. What's the second reason? A pip. The bullet that killed Nunheim came from the same gun. That's all right, Inspector. All right. It's perfect. Clyde Winant is guilty of both of those murders. Maybe. What? But you will still get your hundred. I say Winant's innocent. You can say what you want. But I'm spreading a dragnet for that guy over every town in these United States. And I'll get him, too. Calling all cars. Calling all cars.
7: Cover all dogs. Leaving city. Pick up light, white and tall. In man, lassie. Wearing dark red suit. Light, white You think they'll find him, Nick? He must be in New York. Yeah, probably is. Oh, it's getting me down. I saw Dorothy today.
1: Yeah? What?
7: She's broken off her engagement. What for? Oh, don't ask me. She was a little hysterical. Something about not wanting to ruin her fiancé's life. Daughter of a murderer and all that. Mm,
2: poor kid.
1: Well? See you later, darling. Where do you think you're going? I'm going to take for a walk. He's just been for a walk. We're going sightseeing. Why don't we ask yes, that?
7: Nick, what are you up to?
1: I've got a hunch. I'm going down to look at wine and shop. I want to find out why it's closed.
7: Why shouldn't he close it? You went away.
1: He went away lots of times when I knew him, but he never closed his shop. I've got to hunt something's up.
7: You me, mean he might be hiding there?
1: I don't know, but this thing's got my goat. I've got to find out.
7: Nick, Nick, I won't have you going down there at this hour of the night. He's a crazy man. He might kill you. you
1: will be all right. I've got Asta to protect me.
7: All right, go on. Go on, see if I care. But it's a dirty trick bringing me all the way from New York just to make me a widow.
1: You wouldn't be a widow long.
7: You bet I wouldn't.
1: Not with all your money. You dog. Goodbye, darling.
7: Nikki, take care of yourself, won't you? Sure, I will. Don't say it that way. Say it as if you meant it.
1: Why, well, I believe the little woman cares.
7: I don't care. I'm just used to you, that's all. Sure. So long, darling. Come on, Aster. Come on, come on. Goodbye. And call me, darling, please. I'll be waiting to hear from you. Aster. Aster, if you let anything happen to him, you'll never wag
2: that tail again.
4: You are listening to the Lux Radio Theater's production of The Thin Man, starring William Powell and Myrna Loy, with the music under the direction of Louis Silvers. This is W.S. Van Dyke speaking. We have here tonight the man who wrote the great picture, Lawyer Man, for Bill Powell here. He's a producer, too, but just on the writing end. He's done many great pictures, 42nd Street, The Gold Diggers, King of Burlesque, and lots of others, including an original musical, Ladies in London, which you'll be seeing soon. And here he is, the man whose name you'll see on the screen before the picture starts, one of Hollywood's greatest picture writers, James Seymour. Jim. Thank Thanks,
1: Woody. I've been a movie writer for 10 years. That's the first kind word anybody has said to me.
2: <laughs>
4: Listen, Jim. The average person thinks a movie writer is a fellow that sits by himself at a typewriter, ham- hammers out a lot of dialogue, and hands it in. Would you like to correct that impression? I certainly would. <clears throat> Nobody works alone and by himself to make a picture. It's a
1: matter of constant cooperation between producer, director, technician, actors, and the writers. Some of the best story ideas come out of the conferences. Jim, how many writers would you say there are on an average picture? Plenty. Believe it or not, I've seen pictures where there were more writers than actors. If all the people who contributed to the story got screen credit, it would look like a page from the telephone directory. Mm -hmm.
4: You've written on both
1: the stage and screen, Jim. Tell the folks how they're different. Well, pictures have less talk, but they tell more in less time like concentrated foods, all the good and none of the waste. In the theater, everything must be brought to the audience. On the screen, you take your audience wherever the camera can go. And here's another important point that comes right back to your Lux radio theater. On the stage, the star just enters. But on the screen, she's introduced with a big close-up, a picture of the star's face many times larger than life size. Every time a movie star's complexion is mentioned in this Lux radio theater, I think of those close-ups. Those stars just have to be beautiful. And they found that Lux Toilet Soap helps them look their best. Producers know it, too. And that's why it's the official soap in all the great studios in Hollywood. Right, Woody? Right on the nose, Jim. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for asking me. Good night. Good night, Jim. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia
4: Broadcasting System. The Thin Man. Nick is on his way to Clyde Wine's deserted laboratory. In a dark and desolate section of the city, his cab veers sharply around the corner and pulls up in front of a gloomy, old, rickety building. Say, hey,
1: mister,
5: are you sure this is the place you wanted?
1: Looks like it. Come on, I said jump. How much are you?
5: $1. twenty. Oh, do you want me to wait?
1: No, never mind. Oh, that's Good. No, this ain't no neighborhood to be in at two o'clock in the morning. I want to get out of here. There you are. Thanks. Hello. Come on, Esther. Come on, what's up with you? Hello. Nora, what are you doing here?
7: I beat you down. I want to go with you, Nick. Now listen. No, you are not going in that place alone, and that settles it. Now get out that skeleton key of yours and open that door. I'm here to stay.
1: All right. Come on. Yes.
7: <laughs> Dog. Nice neighborhood, Wine and picked out this laboratory. I can almost hear the chains rattling. You believe in ghost, Nicky?
3: There we are. Come in. Be quiet. Nicky, it's dark in here.
5: Yeah,
3: I've got a flashlight. we might close the door. <laughs> Master, shut up. Which way? Straight ahead. Can you get the layout of the
5: please? It's awfully big to me. You can't even see into the corner.
1: Don't no, let the shadows frighten you.
7: Who's frightened? Who? What's the matter?
1: This looks like a wine work table.
7: Mm, like a slab in a morgue. Look, Nick. There's a cement floor all around.
1: Yeah, probably. A lot of weight goes on that table. Come on. Where to now? There's an old desk over there on the wall. I want to take a look at it.
5: What do you expect to find?
3: If I knew what I'd find, I wouldn't be... Nick!
5: What's nick?
3: Just a loose board, I guess. It
7: sounds like, like somebody was walking over
3: that way. Oh, just your imagination. There's no one in here with
1: us.
7: No? What about wine He has workshop? Nick, look at him. He's after something. I've seen him scratch the ground like that when, when, when he was looking for...
3: I'm ah, through the cement.
2: Asta,
3: yeah. ah, so get away from there. Reporters, you'll get your story as soon as I can give it to you. Until then, you've got to leave us alone. Come on now, get out. Oh, Those reporters are enough to drive a guy nuts. Well, you were right, Nick. It was a body. A skeleton, rather, buried in line. I wonder what Wyndham had against this one.
1: Did you find any clothes?
3: Yeah, but no identification on
1: them. Just a silver belt buckle with the initials DWR. DWR? Who's that? I got a good idea. That case you worked on, the guy who threatened to kill Wynant, what was his name? Oh, uh, Rosewater. Yeah, Rosewater. He said Wynant tried to steal an invention, didn't he? Yes, but we figured it was just blackmail. Just the same,
3: Wynant wouldn't mind having him out of the way, would he? And according to the doc, the body's been there at least a couple of months. Hmm.
1: That's just about the time Wynant closed the shop. Right. Did you put the skeleton under the fluoroscope yet?
3: Half an hour ago. We
1: found the bullet he was killed with and something in the leg bone. An old piece of shrapnel. Shrapnel? Yeah. Why? Shrapnel in the leg bone. He probably limped. What do you mean? Oh, nothing. Well, so long, Inspector. I'm going to pick up my wife, take her home. It's been a long night.
3: So long. Give her my best, will you? Right.
7: Where are we going, Nick?
1: Back to the hotel, my sweet. Pack our bags and take a nice trip somewhere.
7: A trip? Oh, no.
1: My soul, woman. I gave you three murders and you aren't satisfied.
7: I want you to stay and find one. I did find him. What do you mean?
1: He was down in the shop.
7: Nick.
1: Yes. It was his body that was buried there.
7: Wyman's body?
1: Yeah.
7: But they all said it was Rosewater's.
1: Oh, that's what they think.
7: What makes you so sure it's Wyman's body?
1: Several things. Clothes, for instance. They were, carefully prese- prese- they were carefully preserved. And the body was just as carefully destroyed. The person who killed him counted on one thing, that all skeletons look alike. Well, don't they? Sure. But I remember that Wynette had some shrapnel in his shin. They found it under the fluoroscope.
7: How long has he been dead?
1: A couple of months, anyway.
7: Then he couldn't have committed those other murders.
1: Smart girl. Wynette
7: did. Does Dorothy
1: know? No, nobody but you. I didn't even tell Gil. Why not? I want to lie low till I get the whole dope. I don't want to go off half cocked.
7: What are you going to do?
1: I'm going to get the real murderer. I've got an idea. Want to see me take him?
7: Yes.
1: You got a nice evening dress? <laughs> oh,
7: I've got a loo. What?
1: I'm going to have a party, a dinner party. Everything from Russian caviar to Camembert cheese. An orchestra behind the palms. Abdued lighting. What
7: is this?
1: And I'm going to invite all of the suspects.
7: The suspects? They won't come.
1: Oh, they'll come. I'll have Gill issue the invitation.
7: Nick, who's going to be
1: there? Everybody. You, me, Dorothy, Eric's ex-fiance, uh.
7: His name's Andy.
1: Uh, right. Macaulay, Mimi, Gilbert, Jorgison, and Morelli.
7: Oh, darling, what a lovely party. All right, well, good
6: Good evening, everybody of
1: this. The meaning of what, Mimi?
6: Why, were we all rounded up like common criminals and brought to the sitters?
2: To eat, Mimi,
1: and talk. Will everyone please be seated? Dorothy, here. Thank you. Andy, next to her, please. Oh, but Mr. Charles, will you... Please? Very well. Mimi, on the other side of Andy. Hmm. And Mr. Jorgson, over there, please. Very Very kind, Mr. Charles. Not at all. Mr. McCauley, next. Of course. Morelli? What? Right where you are. Now, say, listen. Sit down. Uh... And uh, Gilbert, uh, you can sit just opposite Mama. Mister Charles, I have a theory. Uh, we'll listen to it later. Uh, Inspector Gill, you and your men will stand by uh, by the door, please. Sure. Fine. Now Nora, if you'll sit here by me. Delighted,
7: Mister Charles. A pleasure,
1: Missus Charles. Now we're all ready to begin.
6: Uh, will you please pass the celery, Missus Wyatt? No, I will not. I demand to know why we are here.
1: Before dinner. All right. I've got some important news. I've seen Wyman. What?
6: You no. seen that, Level? Certainly, I mean it. That's nothing. I saw him myself.
1: Yes, Mimi? When?
6: Last night. He came to see me in my apartment.
1: Oh, did he? What did he say? He
6: didn't say very much. He wanted to know how I was and how the children were.
1: I'm afraid you're lying, Mimi. You see, I really did see Wyman last night. Are you kidding? No. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you hold him? Because I found out for certain that he didn't commit the murders. Well, you know
2: that, but that's ridiculous. Now, wait a minute. Let no, him have his say.
1: Thank you. Morelli, you knew Julia. Was she jipping Winant? Taking dough on the sly?
3: Well, she do not say she is, but I figure she is, yeah. Thank you.
1: Now I'll tell you why I know Winet didn't commit those murders. Three months ago, Winant found out that Julia was cheating him and was splitting with some man. He went to find the man, and he did. That man was desperate. He knew that he was caught dead to rights. And at prison, staring him in the face, he took the only way out. He killed Wynette. Oh. It's terrible to tell you this way, Dorothy, that your father's dead. Dead? He's been dead for three months.
2: Dead. Oh, oh. oh,
1: darling, don't cry, I know oh. oh, it's <laughs> terrible, but isn't it really better this morning?
2: Oh, Andy.
7: Andy. You'd better take her home, Andy. Yes, of course. <laughs> Come on, darling. Let them out, Inspector. Oh, open up. Yeah. Oh, don't cry,
1: darling, please. <laughs> It'll be all right now. Oh, oh, okay, all
3: right. Be dead.
6: This is absurd. How can Clyde be dead? You said yourself you saw him last night. Oh,
3: so
1: I did. I saw him lying buried in his shop. You mean that body? It was Winant's.
6: Perfectly
2: absurd.
1: And the murderer is right here in this room tonight. He's sitting at this table. What? Who is he? I don't know. But I thought if we all had a little get-together, we might be able to find out. I'll tell you as much as I know. This murderer is a very clever man. He planned the whole thing beautifully. After he killed Winant, he wired McCauley, using Winant's name and told him to shut up the shop. Then he took Winant's body and buried it in the shop with another man's clothes to throw us off the track. He even put a belt buckle with an R on it, hoping that we'd think it was Rosewater, an old enemy of Winant's who dropped out of sight years ago. Amorelli? Um,
3: yeah
1: Would you mind holding your knife the other way? You're worrying Gilbert. Oh,
7: Nick, if that knife is missing, I'll look
2: for it
1: in your back. I'll help you look. Uh, well... After our hero had killed Winant, he got a brilliant idea. He realized that he and Julia could still collect money. Winant was supposed to be on a trip. No one knew where. So our dinner guest wrote letters to McCauley, signing Winant's name, so that McCauley would continue to send the money to Julia. He even telephoned McCauley. Uh, Do you remember McCauley, the first day that you came to see me? He telephoned that he was in town. Oh, it must have been Winant. I should have known if it weren't his voice. Oh, he was clever about that. He called when you were out. Now that same afternoon, Julia telephoned him. She said that you were coming, Mimi, to ask about Winant. He got terrified. He was afraid that Julia would break down and tell. So he went to Julia and killed her and left Wyman's watch chain in her hand.
3: Mimi, what is the deal of I don't know. Julia? it makes sense. I hope you're well. uh, Quiet,
2: please.
1: His plan was still working beautifully. The only hitch was a man named Nunnheim, who had found out something. So our hero bumped him off, too. But our hero overlooked just one item. The telegrams, wires, and telephones were all very well. But no one had seen Wynet. So the murderer picked on poor Mimi here to strengthen his case. Mimi is the only one at this table who can tell us who the real murderer is. Mimi? Who was it that told you to say you'd seen Winant?
6: Nobody told me. I did see him. What
1: did he pay you, Mimi, to stick to that story?
6: It isn't a story. It's true. I did see Winant. He's not
1: dead. You're lying, Mimi. But then you do anything for money. You are getting a good price for saying you saw Winant.
6: I'm not going to stay here and be insulted. Sit down.
1: You're getting a good price, Mimi. But don't forget this. Two other people were in with him on this deal. Julia and Nunheim. When he thought they might spill something, he bumped them off. You ought to know darn well that he's not going to take any chances on you. What do you want to do, be mixed on his list? No, no. And who is he? Who paid you that money?
2: Macaulay. 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 Why, you dirty little... Macaulay.
1: I think that'll hold him. Oh, boy, oh, boy, what a wallet. Hey, nice work, Mr. Charles. There's your man, Inspector, Mr. McCauley. I can't believe it. do you want me to do, wrap him up in cellophane? Pick him up and get him out of here.
3: Come on, boys. Grab him. Let me get a handle. Nick,
7: you took him. I knew you would. Yeah,
1: another case like this, and I'll develop into a prize fighter. Oh,
7: Nicky, you're grand. You're glorious.
1: I'll bet you say that to all the boys.
4: Well, that's that. The story of the Thin Man with William Powell and Myrna Loy. I'm going to get them back out here in a minute to talk to you. As you know, these broadcasts from the Lux Radio Theater are quite an event in Hollywood. And among our many friends here tonight is one of the greatest stars of the silent pictures. I admired her from afar when she was doing such magnificent spectacles as Cleopatra, And I was just an extra. Today, she is the wife of one of our leading film directors. I've known her for many years as a most charming and gracious lady. And I want you to meet her now, Miss Theda Barrett.
8: Thank you, Woody. Our Hollywood entertainment has certainly developed amazingly since I was making pictures.
4: Yes, everything's different now.
8: As you and I know, Mm. before pictures grew up and started to talk, we had to translate all emotion into pantomime. Oh, you may think you have trouble today, but do you remember the difficulties we had working with a split screen? We had to express jealousy, hate, love, or devotion, all in pantomime. And at the same time, keep pace as the director guided us with a one, two, three, four. Just as a metronome guides a pianist.
4: Tantamon has always been one of the greatest of arts. And may I say, Miss Barra, I've always thought that you were one of the greatest masters of that art. Oh, you're
8: very kind, Woody. We worked awfully hard making those pictures. For instance, in making Cleopatra, we had no research department at the studio. I worked myself a month with the curator of Egyptology at the Metropolitan Museum in New York. It was great fun, though.
4: I understand, Miss Barry, you're going to make some radio appearances.
8: Yes, I am. And I'm also going to do some motion picture work.
4: Well, that's good news.
8: I'm considering an offer now, running through scripts and ideas. Oh, I just hope everyone will be as happy about another Theodore of picture as I am. The public has been very good to me in the past.
4: And I know they'll be awfully glad to see you again. I'm sure it'll be a great thrill not only seeing you, but hearing your voice. Thanks, Miss Barrett, for joining us tonight.
8: I'm glad I could. Good
2: night.
4: (laughs) Hearing Theda Barrett talk of her plans brings to my mind some other plans I've heard discussed in Hollywood this week. Picture people are talking about Charlie Chaplin's recent statement that he will start work on a new picture very shortly. Miss Paulette Goddard will be starred. Chaplin will write and direct, but will not act in it. A disappointment to many of us. Barbara Stanwyck and Robert Taylor are starting a new picture today. And I'm tickled to death that I got the job directing. It's called His Brother's Wife. Speaking of Bob Taylor, there's a lad who is going places. He's got a great future. And sometime in that future, he's going to do Armand to Greta Garbo's Camille. Bill Powell and Myrna Loy here are interested in the making of MGM's picture, The Good Earth. Louise Rayner, who was with them in The Great Ziegfeld, and Paul Muni of The Stars. And now Bill Powell and Myrna Loy are coming out on the stage. Arise, Bill. Myrna. Kids, you did a great show. You're really marvelous.
1: What? No retakes? No,
7: no property man.
4: <laughs> yeah, Bill. I'll bet you're glad my property man isn't here. Remember how he used to swatch you with a broomstick when you weren't hurrying on the set fast enough?
1: Yes, that Harry Alvarez is a great fellow, he's the most independent cuss in the whole picture business.
4: Listen, Bill. That fellow was with me in the Arctic when we made Eskimo. He was with me in African jungle when we made Trader Horn. And after a man has handled crocodiles, sharks, pythons, and polar bears, you can't expect him to be afraid of a mere actor.
1: There's there's only one thing I can ever understand about that picture, uh, Eskimo, Woody. How did they tell you from the polar bears?
2: He wore rubbers.
1: I wore a hat.
7: (laughs) It must be pretty tough, Woody, when you have to plow through swamps, jungles, tropics, and the Arctic. I suppose when you call up and say you're going on location, your wife says, uh, oh, yes, location. Location. Do you want the snowshoes or the snake bite
2: medicine?
4: Hmm. Unfortunately, she doesn't say that. When I say I'm going on location, she just says, uh, you are not. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: Incidentally, I thought all about that traveling, uh... I thought all about it when the Lux soap people asked me to do this broadcast. Isn't it funny? In the Arctic, soap is something they like to eat. In the tropics, they use soap for money. And here in Hollywood, soap is something that keeps the stars beautiful.
1: Now, I can see that it keeps Myrna beautiful, Woody, but, uh... When are you going
4: to start using that? Nice talk. Open? Nice <laughs> talk. But I do use it that. And that's no kidding. Anyway, thanks for coming up, kids. Goodbye, Woody.
2: Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
4: Before I tell you about next week's show, I'm going to ask our announcer, Mr. Rick to tell you about, more about the cast and about Hollywood Studios who are cooperating with us. Our cast of characters tonight,
1: Nick, William Powell, Nora, Myrna Loy, Mimi, Minagambo, Macaulay, Porter Hall, Dorothy, Barbara Luddy, Gilbert, William Henry, Chris Jorgensen, Brett Morrison, Julia Wolfe, Margaret Brayton, Inspector Guild, Thomas Jackson, Morelli, Wally Mayer, Nunheim, Ernie Adams. Our director, W.S. Van Dyke, and our stars, William Powell and Myrna Loy, appeared through courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer, as did Mr. William Henry, and Porter Hall through the courtesy of Paramount. The musical director of this program, Mr. Lewis Silvers, appears through the kindness of 20th Century Fox. And now, here is your producer, Mr. W.S. Van Dyke.
4: Thanks to all of you in the cast. You did a swell job. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the Lux Radio Theater is going to have a great show for you, and believe me... Al Jolson and Ruby Keeler are going to be here to appear in burlesque. It was a smash hit on Broadway, and then a great moving picture, and now it's going to make a marvelous radio vehicle for Al Jolson and Ruby Keeler. I think you'll like it. Basil be DeMille will return to the Lux Radio Theater in time to, to, to produce Burlesque, and you know he'll give you a great show. I've enjoyed being with you all, and good night.